This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Hello and welcome to another episode of Because I Said So with your host, John Roseman, broadcasting as usual from a top high atop Rosemond Towers in New Bern, North Carolina. For those of you joining us for the first time, the show is all about what is now called parenting in America. I am a psychologist who doesn't believe in psychology, the author of about 20 books on children, parenting and family issues, and a very busy public speaker. But my Real credentials are that I have been married to the same woman for 48 years. One has to say that these days. For more about my public speaking schedule, books, and so on and so forth, you can go to John Rosemond, that is J-O-H-N-R-O-S-E-M-O-N-D dot com. I am speaking this coming Tuesday and Wednesday at Mystic Valley Charter School in Boston, or I believe actually it's in Maiden, Massachusetts. Well, I tell you what, I don't pretend to be a stockbroker, but I would predict that charter school stocks in the age of Trump are going to do quite well. Anyway, at Mystic Valley Charter School in Maiden, Massachusetts on Tuesday night, I believe that's the 10th of January. I will be doing a talk from 7 to 8.30 titled Parenting with Love and Leadership. And then the next day, I'll be doing a full-day workshop for teachers in the Mystic Valley Charter School system. Looking forward to that, although weather-wise, I can think of better places to be in January than Baston. So I I am a psychologist. I see psychology for what it is. I see psychology from the inside. And as I have said many times before on this show, I believe that psychology has caused more problems for the American child, family, mother, father, marriage, parents, community, school, and by extension, America, than psychologists even know how to solve. I am convinced, and again, I am a psychologist by license, I am convinced that psychology has been a complete wrecking ball in American culture. So, sometimes people ask, what about Christian psychology, John? Well, I think Christian psychology is especially bogus because a Christian worldview and a psychological worldview cannot be reconciled. They cannot be synthesized. They are at opposites to one another. And the attempt to blend them artificially is only diminishing to the truth of Scripture. The parents are concerned that this is a psychological event, that it has psychological meaning, and came to me hoping that I could sort all that out for them. Instead, I gave them the facts. Four-year-olds are prone to having nightmares. 
in and of themselves, nightmares have no psychological meaning. In some relatively rare cases, nightmares can be connected to traumatic events in a child's life, but far more often than not, they are simply mysterious occurrences that occur usually in early childhood and quite often around ages three, four, five, and six, because these are highly imaginative years in the development of a human being. In other words, they are nothing to be worried about. So, I told these parents, when your child has a nightmare, just go in, comfort him, and put him back to bed. Prior to the psychological parenting revolution in question, when parents encountered difficulties in the raising of a child— when they hit a uh, bump in the road, so to speak, they would go to the recognized experts of that day and time. They would go to elders in their extended families. They would go to elders in their communities. They would go to elders in their churches. And many of these people didn't have more than high school educations. Some of them may not have had fifth grade educations. And I happen to be convinced that these people who had no book learning to speak of gave better parenting advice than psychologists have been giving to America's parents for the last 50 years. In the year 1955, when I was eight years old, what would an elder, a grandmother, have told parents who came to her asking, for advice concerning their four-year-old child's nightmares, she would have said exactly, I hope, anyway, what I told these parents. She would have said, land sakes alive, child. This is no big deal. When your child wakes up afraid, just comfort him and put him back to sleep. One of the biggest problems among today's parents, and especially mothers, It concerns their tendency to think in psychological terms about their children's behavior, and especially if the behavior is problematic. Mothers are more prone to this sort of intellectual wandering than fathers, not because of some gender-related characteristic, but simply because mothers are the primary consumers of parenting material. They read, therefore they worry. Unfortunately, the stuff mothers, and some fathers, to be honest, read is largely baloney, written by professional parenting babblers who come mostly from various mental health fields like psychology, clinical social work, so on and so forth. Consequently, these parents wind up believing, among other equally unhelpful things, that their children's behavior problems have arcane psychological meaning. Now, the alternative is to think of these problems as simply the inevitable consequence of raising offspring who, unlike those of any other species, are naturally inclined toward believing that what they want they are entitled to have and that no one is qualified to tell them what to do. Of all of God's creation, only human beings are rebellious Only human beings are sinful. Again, the alternative to thinking that your child's behavior problems have deep psychological meaning 
is to think of these bumps in the road, if you will, as simply the inevitable consequence of raising offspring who, unlike the offspring of any other species, are naturally inclined toward believing that what they want they are entitled to have and that no one is qualified to tell them what to do. Those uniquely human aspects or instincts, if you will, emerge, generally speaking, during the second half of the second year of life, sometime between 18 months and 24 months. And the behavioral characteristics in question a defiance, a belligerence, a refusal to do what you're told, tantrums when you don't get your way, willful disobedience, define what we call the terrible twos. People used to understand how to deal with a two-year-old. Pre-1960s parents were not intimidated by the emergence of sinful behavior during the second year of life. They simply understood that what they were seeing was raw human nature and that the raw human nature in question needed to be nipped in the bud. Today's parents encounter the same raw human nature as did their great-grandparents 50, 60, 75, 90 years ago, whenever that was. But today's parents are intimidated by it. Again, today's parents believe that the raw human nature in question, the behaviors in question, the defiance, the disobedience, the tantrums, and so on, have some psychological meaning. And as a consequence, experience what I call disciplinary paralysis. And so, 50, 60, 75 years ago, the terrible twos were nipped in the bud, and today they are not being nipped in the bud, which is why so many children are coming to kindergarten and first grade, the early elementary years, still exhibiting toddler behavioral characteristics, short attention span, impulsivity, defiance, mood swings, tantrums when you don't get your way, and so on, and so on, and so forth. But today, instead of calling these things for what they are, instead of calling them sin, we call them by such names as attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and oppositional defiant disorder and childhood bipolar disorder and the like. And we give these children not discipline but medication. In the 1950s, when I was in elementary school, An elementary teacher could teach 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. No kidding. I've met women who taught as many as 95 first graders in the 1950s by themselves and report that they had basically no discipline problems at all. And by the way, if you're disbelieving of this, you might want to talk to a person who's been a missionary in Africa and ask them their experience of volunteering in African elementary schools where one teacher is teaching 125 children and there are no discipline problems at all. And if we think this is due to biochemical imbalances and 
And by the way, these biochemical imbalances have never been measured, have never been verified, uh, genes that have never been identified, isolated. We are sadly mistaken. It's time we got our collective heads out of the sand concerning these problems and did something about them. I'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, John Roseman. The show is called Because I Said So. And somebody recently asked, why is it called Because I Said So? My answer was, because I said so. That's why. No, actually, the show is called Because I Said So, because those four words are highly associated with a very, very traditional, old-fashioned, if you will, approach to the raising of children, and uh, that is exactly what I espouse. I espouse a traditional, old-fashioned approach to the raising of children. Uh, There's nothing different about children today than was true of children 50 or 500 years ago. Every child ever born brings into the world with him the same sinful nature, Every child ever born needs a combination of unconditional love and unequivocal discipline. What is different today is not biochemical imbalances and genes and so on and so forth. These um, medical myths that have never been verified, they are completely theoretical. They are not factual. But they serve a purpose, and the purpose is to persuade parents that their children's problems are due to physiological malfunctions that require, guess what, medication. And guess what, as I've said in previous programs, these medications have never, none of them, reliably outperformed placebos in double-blind clinical trials, the double-blind clinical trial being the gold standard for vetting psychiatric drugs. I'll say it again, these drugs, Adderall, Stratera, etc., etc., the drugs that are being used on children today to deal with these supposed disorders that they have that are really nothing but manifestations of these kids' sinful natures. These drugs have never reliably outperformed placebos in double-blind clinical trials, which means that if you are giving your child one of these drugs, you are giving your child a very expensive placebo that has side effects. And I do not care what the dispensing professional told you that is an extremely risky thing to do. You have, in fact, cooperated in putting your child at risk. Fifty-plus years ago in America, parents nipped tantrums and defiance and disobedience and disrespect in the bud, and today's parents are not doing that. Fifty-plus years ago, the American child was afraid of his parents. Today, the parents are afraid of the child. 
and this is especially true of the American mother. I don't actually think that there is anything that I could have done that would have intimidated my mother. And today's mother is easily intimidated by outbursts of misbehavior on the part of her child. Not all. I'm not truly. I I have encountered mothers who are tough cookies. But let me tell you that in my experience, the mothers in question are few and far between. And it's not the mother's fault. I lay the blame for 99.9% of the problems that we are having with America's children today squarely at the feet of my profession, psychology. So I started the show by talking about uh, the tendency among today's parents to think in psychological terms about their children's behavior problems. And I said that mothers are more prone to this than fathers, not because of some gender-related difference, but simply because mothers read parenting material. They consume parenting material. They read parenting newspaper columns. They read parenting articles in parenting magazines. They go to parenting presentations. They read, therefore they worry. They think too much. Take, for example, the parents I recently spoke with concerning the wild, and I mean wild, tantrums their seven-year-old son let fly when things, just about anything, didn't go his way. The parents were absolutely certain that uh, the child's tantrums were evidence of some deep-seated psychological problem, and I said, no. What you're describing is the behavior of a two-year-old child. The behavior that you're describing began when your son was two. You were intimidated by it. You failed to nip it in the bud. And the snowball of these behavior problems has been rolling downhill ever since. This is not a psychological problem. This is not a mental illness. This does not call for psychiatry, psychology, pharmacology, institutionalization. This calls for some real tough parenting on your part. It is time for you guys to step up to the plate and demonstrate to your seven-year-old unequivocally who runs the family. These parents had read all sorts of stuff that had led them to believe that their son was bipolar or autistic or on this thing they call the spectrum. That drives me nuts. The spectrum. Uh, it's just about any child. Uh, if, if you read a definition of uh, the spectrum, Uh, at some point in time during his childhood, begins to look autistic. And I'm not saying that autism is in and of itself bogus. I'm just saying that this, uh, you know, business of one out of 80 kids being autistic when 40 years ago it was one out of 1,000, no, there's something wrong there. 
and it isn't in the uh, the drink America's drinking water, folks. It's uh, uh, what's wrong is that psychology has been very very effective at marketing uh, these childhood diagnoses to America's parents. Anyway, the parents uh, believed that uh, these tantrums were indication that their son was bipolar, autistic, manic depressive, schizophrenic. I mean, it was like they imagined him being locked up in a mental institution by age 20 in a stainless steel straitjacket. That's significant to note, by the way, that the child in question functioned reasonably well outside the home with other adults and playmates. The minute his parents came around, the problems began. And indeed, all of this worry and apocalyptic thinking had induced what I term disciplinary paralysis. This child's parents were afraid of him, and also fearful that any firm discipline on their part would make matters worse and hasten his admission to the aforementioned loony bin. So instead of disciplining, they talked, reasoned, and explained, and got nowhere. And not surprisingly, the more they talked, reasoned, and explained, the worse the child's behavior became. And the worse he became, the more his parents worried, and the more paralyzed they became, and the more they talked, reasoned, and explained, and around and around and around they went. And that, by the way, describes the almost inevitable sequence of parenting behavior that results from psychological thinking. To mix my metaphors, such thinking leads parents down one rabbit hole after another. This child was in complete control of his family. Lacking insight, he had no idea that he wielded such power. Therefore, he was not as several therapists had naively suggested, being manipulative. He didn't know what he was doing. Nonetheless, everyone in the family was dancing to his tune. By the time I spoke with the child's parents, he was completely out of control, and when a person of any age feels they are losing or have lost control, one response out of several is to try desperately and obsessively to control other people, usually. In other words, if you feel like you're losing control, you desperately try to control. And for this little fella, the way he controlled was by throwing these wild, wild tantrums. This is not a mental illness, but it sure does look crazy. The parents needed to stop thinking psychologically and apocalyptically and take firm, resolute control of their child's life. And so with a little coaching from me, and all I did was tell him the same thing a grandparent would have told him 60 years ago. They stopped talking and began teaching him with calm, purposeful resolve that one bad thing deserves another. Being reasonably intelligent, the little fellow learned this fundamental life principle fairly quickly, in fact. Begrudgingly, 
At least at first he began to accept that he was but a little fish in a big pond. Best of all, his parents reclaimed that which psychobabble had stolen from them, common sense and a sense of humor. I'm John Roseman. The show is called Because I Said So. You can hear me every Saturday at 5 o'clock Central Time, 6 Eastern. I believe that's 4 Mountain and 3 Pacific. All across America on American Family Radio. My thanks to everyone at American Family Radio for making this show possible. I hope you're with us next time.